and Eve Sarianos. Hello, I'm Emily Gilmarrett. Hi, I'm Adam Gifford. This is the School of School podcast. Are you a math teacher looking for an assessment tool that can give you a detailed look into learner or class achievement? With Insights, it's all in one place. Make sense of assessment data so you can strategically plan and teach lessons. Insights, it's assessment for advancement. Visit mathsnoproblem.com for more information. Uh, Welcome back to another episode. Uh, We're joined... It's Adam speaking, uh, but but I'm joined by Emily and Andy, but also I've got a special guest, Fiona, Fiona Smith. Now, I work with Fiona, as do Andy and, and Emily, but best that, that, that you introduce yourself, Fiona. Thanks, Adam. Yes, so I am a product manager, so I work with Emily most closely, and I've got lots of experience in education publishing and also assessment and various other things too so I am very pleased to be here and, and we love having you here Fiona it's got to be Thank said you. it's fantastic Thanks. no 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 we, it's, it's important you feel welcome what, what I was hoping we could talk about today is is you know everyone's got an attitude towards school right so you can ask the question anywhere well, what do you think of school and I think there's very few people that would just say oh I don't really have an opinion on it you know I don't not really that bothered um and, and I think that, that what what I was wondering is, th- th- I think attitudes towards school can be formed uh, pretty young. I, I was just thinking, how what, what's important? Like, how, how can we ensure that, that, that attitudes towards school are good? How, how can we make sure, you know, there are any pitfalls uh, or, or there are any things particularly that, that we need to be mindful of, perhaps, and particularly for those wee, wee kids where they're coming into, especially a class like reception, uh, very young, um, sort of four years old. Uh, what about them? You know, like how can we make sure these precious wee kids can come in and be, you know, want to come back tomorrow? Yeah, and some of them who might not have a great home life as well, right? So, you know, so so how, how does school become a positive influence on that? The first two things, the first responsibility of anyone who's taking a, a, a child into their care, and we're talking about young kids here, we're not talking about like obviously university students, right? Um, the the first thing is is that they need to make sure that those kids are coming into a safe environment, right? And that they feel welcome there. And I think if you can do that, you're kind of halfway through the battle, right? And I, I think we forget how important those two things are because sometimes kids don't feel safe at school. And sometimes they don't feel welcome at school. And if that's the case, then you're, you're not, you know, you're, you're not going to win, right? It's really, really difficult to win when you're, so that's the, probably the first thing. Safe and welcome is going to mean something different for almost every child. That's got to be the starting point. You all look stunned. Like, <laughs> what do you do with that? Like, cause that's, that, no, but that's, that's a really big statement, right? So, so there'll be people that might be listening to this and thinking, yeah, okay, of course, it's got to be safe and it's got to be welcoming. And so... I guess what, what, what I want to unpick with that is what is that like oh, I know I know what you mean because of course we want our children to feel that way what sorts of things do we need to be mindful of though I guess is to is to ensure that that happens because that seems I think it seems easy but but maybe there's children out there that that don't want to come back to school the following day and maybe they don't feel as safe and as welcome and and I don't know 
what, what sort of basic things? And this might just be really simple, but but what sorts of things are we talking about? Because I think it is important, and I think that that it's not as easy. I don't know. We, we take it for granted. I think. Mm. I think even even in a really positive with a really positive attitude towards school, I suppose there could be that real fear of it being this huge transition in life. I mean, you know, these these little children and their they're processing so much and every day brings so many new things. They're, is there that fear of moving into this completely new environment and and meeting all these new people and that being quite scary? I mean, if, especially if they maybe don't have brothers and sisters. I mean, I'm coming from this as this, as quite, I guess, I, I recognise this is a, a very positive perspective of what how a child might view school even from a negative in a negative way but there's so much change in these children's lives and then is there pressure I don't know could that be part of it I think that whole thing of environment and space Fiona is so important so coming into school into like I love the way that so many schools are doing really interesting things now with the spaces for kids coming into school. So having that area that they can go to that's quiet. There are kids that sometimes need some space to be on their own and they can find the large room quite, quite huge. And they need different zones and different spaces um, to relax in. So one thing is like, you know, spaces to draw, spaces to read, um, areas that they can go to relax. I think that's super important. The other thing is I think that sense of being welcome happens over time. Like it can feel like it's just about day one and it isn't about day one for all the reasons that you've all said. It takes a while to settle into routine, to settle into... I mean, I've. do you know what? One of my favourite things that I've seen in classes and actually one of my boys' teachers did it was for the kids when they're, when they're coming in is to actually have pictures of what they're going to do through the day so that they might not be able to read yet they might not be able to have a, they haven't yet got a sense of routine, but they can visualise that the pictures that tell them along the wall to tell them where they are in their day, <laughs> that they've been dropped off. Um, and, you know, one of the ones that kids, I don't know, Adam, if you remember this, is going where the toilet is. You wouldn't believe it. For some kids, that's like <laughs> massive. But but I think I think Emily, this is the thing. Like like that, uh, picking up on 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 Andy's starting point of of having like safe, secure space, the skill set that's needed to accommodate that is massive. Like particularly the, the early years practitioners, they have to be able to judge so many things because you've got to remember. And I think that this is um, this was a a, a point that that uh, Andy made previously is their world is quite small and now we're being propelled into this world that's totally different we're not with mum and dad all the time there it is is a totally different environment with different people and all of these things so all of these things can have a significant impact on me because now I have to hang my own coat up right I don't have someone hang my coat up anymore and that could be terrifying and I might not be able to verbalise that. 
and I might see plenty of people. It's like if you've ever stood in a, a really busy tube station or a train station and everyone knows where they're going, right? And you're stood still in the middle thinking, I haven't got a clue where to go. And everyone in the entire world knows what to do and where they're going. And I don't, and it's terrifying. And I don't even know how to ask for help. And I think that's the reality, even when children come into what is an, an incredibly supportive environment, I think there's that train station feel to it and the potential for that. And we have to pick up on non-visual non-verbal cues. Like we gotta try to work out how on earth we manage that. And I think that's the thing. I think it's all of these sorts of things. I think that that the most difficult challenge, and this is true of anyone dealing with wee kids, <laughs> and this is not to put children and animals in the same boat, right? <laughs> but it's the same thing with pets, is that you're trying to pick up on things that, that may not be like verbalized. <laughs> that's hard. That is really, really hard to pick up on that and ensure, and, and also to have some sort of perspective as to what, 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 what can really tilt the balance of the entire world for them. And there's a lot of things that can do that. I don't know if you guys have ever had experience of that, whether you're brave enough to share them about, yeah, I didn't know this at school and this terrified me. <laughs> you know, that genuinely. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about how the cat communicates sometimes. But <laughs> you know what that cat wants. But I think the, <laughs> that nonverbal um, aspect is really important because as a child and you don't know how to how to verbalise your emotions and this this huge world that you're seeing and experiencing how then do you yeah how can how can you then convey the the feelings that you might be having if they're things that you haven't experienced before in a setting that you haven't experienced before as well so i actually remember being in my first year of schooling so kindergarten for me i remember i have emotional memories of that time and i remember sitting cross-legged in surrounded by other children facing the front and feeling really really empty and never having felt that way before right and I remember that because it stood out you know is so that's an interesting for me that because the reason I'm bringing this up is because as, as you guys were talking I went down this path of trying to recall that was it was a very anxious feeling right but do you know what I mean by an empty feeling when you when, when you if you have something terrible happen right it could be like a you know, maybe you were robbed. I remember I, I was robbed once when I was traveling, everything taken away. And I remember what that felt like, right? Because it was quite profound. It was the same feeling that I had when I was sitting in that classroom, right? That's a profound feeling. And I, I think that that's, we kind of forget that, that how profound that that experience is for young children, or it can be. Maybe some kids deal with it better than others, you know? For sure some kids deal with it better than others, or some kids are better at hiding it than others. I don't know which one it is. But I just remember feeling really, really kind of... It wasn't scared in the sense like you're frightened because there's a mean dog chasing you. It was more frightened like you don't know what, what's going to happen next. And it's sort of like how you described it, Adam. Like you're standing, you're the only person. You feel like you're the only person in the, in the sea of organization you're the only person who's not in tune with what's going on i think that what you felt and i'd be amazed if that wasn't true for a lot of people because if you think that a lot of these children there's there's, there's and again this this might be unique to the uk system but but by and large i think anywhere in the world it's going to be similar that you have 
um, you can choose whether or not children go to a kindergarten or some sort of setting, you know, that we can we can say is a learning setting, perhaps as opposed to home. But but this is the first time for for a lot of children where they're away from their mums and dads or, or the people that they live with uh, all day, and and a day's a long time in a kid that's only been on the planet for four years, you know? Yeah. It's a huge amount of time, and especially with things like, you know, oh, I need a wee. What do I do? You know, I usually call out to mum. Mum's not here. Struth, what am I going to do now? Oh, flipping it. I've just been told I just help myself to a carrot because mum says carrots are good, and I can help myself to carrots whenever I want. Sweets, different story. Carrots, though, fill your boots. And I'm being told, nah, that's what you wait till snack time for that one, mate. You know, all these things that, that I think are, and, and it's, it, it is a massive challenge, I think, to, to appreciate that uh, and to empathise fully with that and to recognise it. Um, because I think that's another part, is that maybe, Andy, when you, when you were there, outwardly, maybe it was difficult to tell. Like perhaps, you know, you were doing the things and picking up the blocks and doing the stuff that the other kids were doing because you're kind of going, well he's walking in this direction, I'll join him because I don't know what to do, but it looks like that's what you do. <laughs> and so as a teacher, that might be, you know, a tricky one to pick. It's a tricky one to pick. And that's why I think it's so subtle at times. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a skill. It's a real skill. I love observing. I'm the kind of person that can sit at a table outside in a coffee shop all day long and just watch people. I love it. I love, I just love watching, seeing what happens. And trying to predict, you know, what's going to happen next. And, and um, in my office pre-COVID, right, just outside, so we're on, we're on the third floor, just outside is the outdoor play space. They're in the same building of a nursery, right? And there's all these wee little kids running around just outside. And it's like a zoo, right? And I, I would just sit there sometimes for I wonder what the rest of the people thought I was doing you know I would just sit there staring out the window and watch them for like really long periods of time sometimes Aww. sometimes like 20 minutes at a time or whatever it's fascinating it's fascinating to watch right how they interact with each other and 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 I, I don't know where I'm going with this but I just just what was interesting to me is is that they all have, you know, all these little kids, they all have very, very different personalities and they all very respond oh, yeah. to, to things in very different ways, you know? It's just really, it's really interesting. Oh, oh, you almost need to have to do that if you're going to, be, if you're going to teach little kids. You need, you need that observation time. Because when you're in the middle of it, trying to, that one's yanking that one and this one's stealing that toy and that one's, you know, crying in the corner or whatever, you're, you're in the middle of it. You don't, you lose that view, right? Everyone should have that helicopter view of what goes on in those things because you learn a tremendous amount. I think, I think one of the things that we need to do more is give teachers time to observe and not just do, you know, whatever it is that they do. I think a lot of teachers, particularly in the early years, would like that. To have, to, 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 for, to, for, it's not that they don't do it, it for it to be valued. Um, I think it's really true, like role play and what goes on there. Um, and how kids, you know, choose roles, perhaps lead a group or, you know, assign themselves or others to certain tasks. And yeah, it's it's fascinating. I think I think, Emily, I think one thing, one thing off the back of that is 
it's just the importance of, of how it can have such a significant effect on other learning as well. And I was talking to, um, uh, there was someone doing some work in my house, and um, young dad, and, and with, with young children, just, just starting, a young daughter just starting reception. And we were having a chat about, you know, I, just, I was just interested to see how things were going. It was the beginning of the year, you know, it's a big, it's a big transition, you know, huge. And we were talking about stuff. Anyway, long story short, um, there were some things that, that, that maybe, I don't know, just observations that were made. And I remember being in a school once, and just before lunchtime, it used to be quite tricky with a certain child, you know, and it was attributed to all sorts of things, like, oh, no, don't take that or don't take this or whatever else. Anyway, just through observation, it, the anxiety started to ramp up. And what it was, it was colours of knives and forks that were being used. They used plastic knives and forks. And, and the child really liked these particular colored knives and forks and really wanted them. And, and, but, but why would you attribute someone taking a book off someone else to the color of knives and forks, right? And the child wasn't going to verbalize it and say, listen, I did this. I've, I've had time to reflect and, you know, I've been quite self-critical. And uh, I decided that what I was going to do is my anxiety, the way that that manifests in me is I take the book off my, my mate next door when I know it's coming up to lunchtime. You know, it's just not going to happen. And, and but but I think that through those observations and you, I think the other thing that's really important is putting a value on everything. Like there, there could be that would be really easy to dismiss and just say, oh, at our school we all just use different colour knives and forks. So you know, kind of if you like that, I don't think any practitioner would use these words, but kind of get over it. You know, you're right. Doesn't matter. They all cut your food in the same way, and the forks work the same way, and the knives are cool. Don't worry about that. They're all good, but actually, just a wee change like that. We can just say, oh, do you know what? You got the purple ones today. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, true story, true story. Oh, sweet. I'll sit down on the carpet. We're good. You know, like I'm happy. All's good. And I think that comes back to the importance of observation. But what it also does is that, that if you rewind from that, and I learned this lesson off this magic man called Peter Sinclair, if you keep rewinding and you think, oh, you keep going back and you say, well, at the moment that child took the book, the learning stopped. It's disrupted two children's learning now. I also need to talk to them, which is going to take three minutes. That's three minutes that that child could have been looking at the book and learning. And if you start to add that up and you start to add up the time, the actual learning time, it's worth doing. And it's worth having that observation and it's worth having the conversation because of the impact that it can have. And But we've got to put the importance on stuff that perhaps as adults, it's harder for us to empathize with the importance of some things. That when you're four, they're pretty bloody important. You know? Yeah, and you know, so here, Adam, like I'm, I'm. So first off, anyone teaching in the early years is, you know, hats off to you. Like I, I think you're the, you know, most talented people in the world. I really do because it's, I, I know I wouldn't be able to do it, right? Uh, so anyway, at some stage, you're going to run into a situation where the needs of the individual are in conflict with the needs of the group. Right. Or even the needs of the framework that you need to follow. Uh, I'm, I think of an example, probably a silly one here, but, you know, you've got a child who uh, isn't isn't capable of, let's say, sharing. Right. So you, there's a certain amount of trauma in this child's life every day because they can't function at that level. Right. So obviously, when they go in their little tantrums because someone wants to share or they have to share, they're they're out of the picture now. They're not learning anymore because they're overwhelmed with emotion, right? That's the needs of that individual. And then there's the needs of the rest of the group, right? Because that person can be disruptive to the group. 
what do you, how do you, what do you say to, to new teachers or like how, you know, what are you going to do? Cause part of you wants to just nurture, you know, depending on your character, you might be like, that kid needs to learn a lesson. Right. Which is why I wouldn't make a good <laughs> early years teacher. Right. But you know, that's one way to interpret the situation. But the other way is of course, you know, and, and probably more common is you want to nurture that child. You want to make them feel safe. You want to make them feel like it's okay. And it's all going to be fine. But then they aren't learning the lesson. Like what, what the hell do you say to these well, teachers? There, there are developmental stages in their learning. Aren't, um, so actually some earliest teachers, which I love, um, often for the things that they know are favorites, they'll have two. So like if there's like a particular toy or doll or there are certain things, they'll, they will have two. And, and the other one is like, say, you know, saying, well, I'm going to let so-and-so have this one. And now we've got, you know, preparing the other child that you've got five minutes and then somebody else needs to have a turn. Yeah, but aren't you just avoiding the issue there, right? Aren't you just, because you, you have to hit it. You can't do that forever. And I think it's that thing of like, you know, like Adam was saying, like observing and having, a, but I do think you have to have a plan. Like you, you know, those kids that are going to struggle to share, and then you have to talk to them. And then you say like, you know, you need to say it's, t you know, how long you might have to do things like how long have they got? I do love the sand timers in an early years classroom. It's like when the sand runs out, <laughs> kind of like preparing. It's like, you know, you, it's like the kids as well in the playground after school has finished when they're in nursery and the parents and the teachers are saying like, you need to, you've got one more go on the slide. And then when you're finished on the slide, you need to go home. <laughs> it's like, you've got, it's like the preparation, but you're right. It's, it's it has to, it, that is part of the early years preparation it is it's 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 knowing which childs are, are ready and and can do that and which ones need a little bit more encouragement in all the different areas we got to wrap this up um any any wise words from anybody i think if you ask anyone i think i've said this before but i'll say it again because it's worth saying again i think if you ask anyone who their favorite teacher was right i i can almost guarantee you that same teacher, if you if you ask that 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 person to describe what it was that made them their their favourite teacher, part of it would be they got me, they understood me, and and they they cared about me, and they wanted me to do well. I think that that would be something that anyone would say about their favourite teacher, and I think that's what we must aspire to do, is to to get to know these children, and 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 it sounds so ridiculous. It's bloody hard. Yeah as well yeah. so we've got to be kind to ourselves and say it's really really hard to do that with 30 children in a class but but yeah as i said there's no surprise to me that the people who i don't know like this is talking about behavior management which is slightly different again but the the, the people that, that kind of whose classes you wanted your kids to be in and you just wanted to spend time there because it was a lovely place to be the 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 common trait with all of them is they knew their children incredibly well so i reckon that that's that's the key for me you've got to go back to i think what i said at the beginning they have to feel safe they have to feel welcome they have to feel like they belong right they have a right to be there and that they belong there and and we want them to be there and and that we care about them and ultimately it's that they feel loved right especially young children. And only then really can any profound learning happen. If you think back at that one teacher who was special, hopefully everyone's had at least one, you'll always, it's exactly what you say, Adam. Those are the characteristics that you'll remember, you know? 
I, I belonged in that class. I felt like I connected, you know, I was welcome there, right? I was accepted for who I am. And that, those are often the catalysts in your life where, where your life turns around, you know, that now I found, I found a path because, you know, something happened that was significant. And as teachers, you know, you have that power, right? Jeez, who said teaching was easy? Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you have it, guys. Thanks for joining. Thank you for joining us on the School of School podcast. 